Hello, everybody. I'm Jake. And I'm Corey. And welcome to Schlockertainment. Where we sample the, uh, the finest crap Hollywood has to offer. Yeah. And even off, off Hollywood. <laughs> Pretty much anything. We're not, we're not picky. We're still trying to find a copy of ne- Never the Twain, folks. <laughs> Alright. So, uh, today we are going to be talking about... The 1994 film, The Fantastic Four. Do, 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 do. On an outer space adventure, they got hit by cosmic rays, and the four were changed forever in the most fantastic way. No need to hear, hear, we're here, just call the four. Okay, well, the first half of the 90s FF cartoon wasn't that good, and on a show we're coming up. I might have us covered at some point. I mean, the first ha- season had Johnny Storm rap. <laughs> yeah, I sent that to you, Corey. I uh, I remember you sent that to me. I don't think I was able to watch it, and I forgot to. <laughs> well, we may play it later. We have other bigger... But yeah, in honor of Stanley's passing a few weeks back, and this episode is a bit late simply because we had a big ice storm here in Missouri, so... Yeah, Corey couldn't get to my house to record. Yeah. But, uh, you know, weather weather happens, but it's all good. Yeah, we just scaled back our plan, our movies by one week, and I honestly think it's for the best. Yeah. Corey graciously put some of his picks aside, but they were just one we could do later, and the other was kind of low-hanging fruit. Right. For Chris, but... Yeah, so here we are, and we're with the Fantastic Four, and not the Tim Story ones, or the Josh Trank Rack. <laughs> Trank Rack. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not all his fault, but... No. Parts of it... Like, I I actually saw that Josh Trank one in theaters. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's a terrible movie. It's probably a terrible Fantastic Four film. But there is some good elements to it. Well, it's like the, uh, it's like the upcoming Chucky reboot. It's not that it's bad; it just doesn't fit the franchise it's going into. Like, or like having just one bit that just feels like "fuck you, fanboys." That's having like Ben Grimm's "it's clobbering time" catchphrase apparently comes from his abusive brother, whose brother brother was also not abusive in the comics. Like, I'm okay with the change in adaptation, but that one just seems pointless when that wasn't in either version of the Fantastic Four. But we can get into that mess another day. Yeah. Like, this, today we're getting into a special, the Roger Corman Fantastic Four movie, which he didn't direct, he just produced it. Yeah. But it was mostly because a company, I forgot, hold on, I forgot... Exactly, but basically the company had the rights to the Fantastic Four. If you don't know the story, or haven't even heard where the hell this mo- what the hell this movie is, which is probable given that it's fairly obscure, obscure and mostly known for known in popular culture for that one subplot on the fourth season of Arrested Development, which few people watched anyway. I actually don't remember that. To... Well, apparently, like, the actress who played the human, the invisible woman in the movie, like, played herself or, oh, okay. or the character was said she was. But, yeah, like, yeah, that speaks volumes, Corey, because you watched the whole season, and I did not. And, like, but when that's about 
as far as you can can get, yeah. But basically, a company, the studio that had the rights was about to lose them, so they basically made this solely to keep it. Marvel didn't want it released. Navy Arad apparently hated it so much he had it tore. He had most of the prints torched, but fanboys find a way. Yeah. And in this case, and it circulated, and now it's on <clears> YouTube. <throat> Marvel hasn't removed it or anything for whatever reason, probably because they have no legal recourse, and neither Fox nor. So we have a goofy rock. Like, I did this because I wanted something to honor Stan Lee, but I felt like the Tim Story ones, even if I remember liking them at the time, it's been a good decade. Aiden Plus. So I doubt that's going to hold up. Yeah. I... And I the only parts I really remember are the Ben Grimm parts, because besides Ben Grimm being my favorite, the thing for those who don't know what his real name is, that's actually fair. But, like, like uh, those parts I'll give the Tim Story movie credit. Like, from his girlfriend just not, like, being able to take his new appearance and that giving him a valid reason for feeling to his meeting with Alicia Master and her, she's blended in well enough with that. Like, it's a subplot that doesn't really add a ton to the movie, like, plot-wise. Oh, that was good. This movie contrasts that heavily, but we'll get to that. So, yeah. A bunch of B-list actors. And here's a fun fact I learned learned on the internet, Corey. What's that? Mark Ruffalo auditioned for Doctor Doom in this movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. like I find that hilarious. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, that's funny. It'd be even funnier if he auditioned for the thing. <laughs> it's claw. Well, yeah, like... Even you apparently know about the fact the thing and the Hulk fight a lot in the comics. Like, a lot. Or did you know that? I didn't actually know uh, that. Well, that, that may... Well, then you already found it funny enough that he's playing the big tough guy. But yeah, like, it's in, like their very first appearance, and then that becomes a thing. Though, outside of, like, one time where the Hulk was changed up to where he was gray, and that's a whole nother thing. Oh, yeah, I've heard of uh, the Grey Hulk, but I don't know what that means. Fuck it. I'm... Let's face it, Corey. Anytime we cover something comics right, I'm going to go on about stuff. I probably will be going on about... Basically, Hulk guy, when he originally appeared, was gray and more intelligent. So when writer Peter David, who I absolutely love, took over, he basically created Grey Hulk, who was a bit meaner and nastier... But was kind of in the middle. He didn't have quite the bottomless strength of the regular Hulk, but he had more intelligence. Okay. So, oh yeah. Uh, so he compensated for not being as fathomlessly strong. And like at the time, Ben was actually mutated to be even bigger and more grotesque, and really like spiky. Oh. Hmm. So he beat him that time. But like there is. But yeah, but so from, not to get on too much of a tangent, but is Gray Hulk Bruce Banner or is that yeah Gray uh, Hulk? It's basically since it's a psychological thing, Gray Hulk's just another fat repressed facet of his personality. Oh, okay. Yeah, like most of a like so yeah, Gray Hulk is still Bruce Banner. Like Red Hulk isn't, but 
Grey Hulk is is in fact just an, another form of Hulk <coughs> Bruce Banner. Like there's been multiple Hulks, even if Grey it seems to be the only one that actually changed color when it was Bruce. Okay. Interesting. Like recently in comics, we have the Immortal Hulk. Like currently, we have the Immortal Hulk, who's far nat, like basically just a far nastier version of the Hulk. Like basically, he has kind of Gray Hulk's ability to speak, but he's basically far more intelligent, just as strong as the Green, but just has a habit for picking people apart. Yeah, and just far more. Like it's just yeah. But it's, like, that run, current run, Immortal Hulk, if you haven't heard of it, I, I highly recommend it. We're not here to talk about the Hulk. We probably will someday because Ang Lee's Hulk film exists. I mean, even the... the Is it Gary Busey or Nick Nolte that chooses the scenery in that? Nick Nolte. Yeah, Nick Nolte. We can talk about that and, like, Bruce Banner's father being mangled in that film. Like, we're not here to talk about the Hulk. I could talk about that stuff all day. <laughs> to be quite frank, and I'm stopping myself now. So let's move back to... The, so yeah. Fair enough. To honor Stan Lee, we picked a film that he not only didn't cameo in, but one that was basically hastily made. But part of why I chose it, and I ended up being one out, though. I liked it a lot when I first saw it, but it has faded a bit. But it still has just kind of a charm about it. Like, you could tell that, at the very least, like the director, for instance, apparently took it seriously enough... They read, like, the Marvel Masterworks, which are, like, re-releases of the earliest comics. Like, they're still releasing those today for various comics, just, like, volume 20 by this point. But back in the 90s, they had, like, they were used to, like, re-release, like, the first few issues of X-Men or Fantastic Four. So people who hadn't read those before could, since it had been decades at this point. Oh, cool. Yeah. Like, there's some... And, like, there's... Like, they're far more accessible today, both the advent of digital and also there's, like, epic collections, which I collect tons of those that collect, like, huge chunks of old comics. Mm-hmm. But moving on, my point is, like, the director apparently took the steps to write that, and I had wished I'd watched, like, there's a documentary on this, Doomed, that I wish I'd watched before this, simply because I'd like to know more about how this thing got made. Because they basically had, like, five bucks and had to make the movie as fast... Uh, fa- well, okay, the film equivalent of getting five bucks. That's... Okay, yeah, that, that's fair. But... It's like, it's probably got, like, $100,000. Yeah, but still, money. like, the film equivalent of... And yet, I can't hate it. Like, okay, I will give the basic plot first. Yeah, go right ahead. Okay. So, back in college, and this is something from the comics, to a point... They do change it, but basically we actually start in college with Reed Richards, Victor Von Doom, who becomes Dr. Doom, and Ben Grandma in college together. And, like, basically, Ben, and, you know, instead of Cosmic Rays like the comic or, or the later Ultimate Universe, which would be the basic for fans for stick instead of a portal to another dimension, which I think something similar, like, or they had, like, a space station for the Tim Story one, just still the... Oh, yeah, I remember Still that. with Cosmic Rays. But instead of Cosmic Rays, it's a comet, radiation from a comet. And, like, basically, they're studying it. Victor's presumed dead, but due to being the crown heir to the throne in Latveria for... Which, yes, another thing from the comics, Doctor Doom isn't some guy who smarmy and says... 
Alright, well, let's fight, Sue. Let's not fight, Sue. No, let's. And I'm never going to let the Tim Story movie live that line down. <laughs> like, that's as bad as X-Men's, you know what happens when a toad gets struck by lightning? Same as everything else. Like, <laughs> Storm, I knew you grow up in, uh, in Cairo on the streets and then in Africa and like far from civilization and I'm not saying all of Africa is I'm saying as far as I know in the comics she didn't I think she might have I honestly don't know how when they filled in her backstory just but the point is is storm things react different to lightning but I'm getting on another tangent there my point is Dr. Doom's more in line with his arrogance and he refuses to change his calculations so Reed thinks he's dead Oh, and also I know some children called the Storms, because, and fun fact, Corey, as I will probably say a lot during this, but, uh, like, not about the film, but, like, in the comics, Reed and Sue did genuinely meet when she was a child. Okay. It's just when they, when her and Johnny were children, so she is legitimately younger than him, it just doesn't come up that often, because it's kind of, like, it's mildly creepy knew her as a child, though, to be fair, it, they, like... And this is a big difference. See, and this is something that I know pissed you off a bit or annoyed you a bit, Corey, besides the fact that Reed and Victor do, before the accident, look pretty damn alike. Okay, so while you mentioned that, before you get onto your thing about Sue Storm, let me bring that up just for a second. Please humor me. Oh, of course. It's an equal partnership here. So, the film does a really poor job of... Introducing its characters. Uh, you know, it starts off in college, but you don't know anyone in the classroom except the teacher points out uh, Reed. Uh, what's it? What's his name? Reed Richards. Reed Richards. Uh, he said, thank you, Reed. And then you're supposed to expect to know who everyone else is. And I did, but I also know the comics well enough that I could suss it. Well, and he does say Victor's name, but it's like, Okay, who the hell is Victor? Yeah. The ca- like, you're right, Corey. To the casual viewer, which is you, or to someone who doesn't know, who hasn't read the comics. And let's be fair here. Like, they haven't got a Marvel Cinematic Universe film, and the last attempt to reboot the franchise was a tire fire. <laughs> Fantastic Four, while a great team, aren't the biggest thing in the public conscience. So it's forgivable to not know their real names. It's not like with Batman, who's ubiquitous. Right. So, yeah, it... And back in 1992 especially, it's a lot to ask people to know all this. I knew these characters well enough, so I know, like, okay, that's Ben when he makes, like, kind of a quip, and plus he's sitting next to Reed wearing kind of a football shirt. Like, I know Ben Grimm played football in college. Yeah, see, I I had no clue. <laughs> exactly. See, I know my stuff. And, like, he was confused by, like, Corey actually, and I'm not trying to embarrass you here, I'm no, just saying that. No, ahead. Like, you... Like, we used Facebook Messenger to talk. He messaged me about, were Johnny and Sue kids as in the comics? Like, he legitimately asked me that. Which, no, they weren't, but, like... And it was, like, something filled in later, like, that they happened to, like... Sue happened to have a crush on Reed as a kid, but then they met... Like, they re-met years later and were in a relationship by the time the accident happened. Right. And speak... But... By the time I got to that point when I sent that, like, it's, it, all of a sudden they're kids, I'm like, okay, this is weird. And then, and then it goes to the part where 
uh, Victor Doom gets uh, electrocuted, and they say that he's dead, but they he's not really dead. And then... Ten-year time jump? Like, why did you have a prologue? Couldn't you have done, like, a flashback to, to the, like, the accident or to their college days? Like, done the flat, like, had them in the present first, or even began with, like, Victor stealing some shit, or the jeweler stealing some shit even, which we'll get to that, just, that thing. Like, that's part of why I'm kind of going in order in this one, is that, like, we'll probably breeze over some elements, but just because of, it's weirdly paced in places. Oh, yeah. Like, there's just some weird decisions, but, yeah. Like, so there's a ten-year time jump, and the four decide to all go together, which... Yeah, it's just weird that he doesn't, like, go to anyone else. Like, it's just because, okay, because apparently they've been keeping up with this, even though this is the first time. Oh, and there's also an awkward, but, damn it, I forgot to bring my notes, I don't know. <laughs> but there's an awkward but hilarious bit where, like, when reading there, like, hi, Miss Storm, can Sue and Johnny come to space? Like, it's Reed trying to be clever, but it just comes off so awkward. It's awkward, it's hammy, it's like... It's glorious. What the fuck am I even watching it, at that point? I, I was, like, thinking that to myself. And, and then, that's not even, like, the biggest what the fuck am I... Which has become kind of our catchphrase between us when we're watching these things. But that is kind of a what the fuck am I watching moment minor. But it gets... Like, the film does have some legit bat shit hidden in it. But we'll get to that. My favorite part is, like, at the tail end of the scene... She's just like, the mom's like, oh, look at you all. You're the Fantastic Four. That's the title. <laughs> like, yeah, I agree with you. Like, it's just, that's where they get the name in this adaptation. Johnny's mom was just like, you're the Fantastic Four. Because there's four of you, and I just thought of that three seconds ago. <laughs> like. This is a change from the comics, because in the comics, basically, Reed lost his funding. Originally, it was... And originally, he was rushed to... Like, originally, the reason he stole the rocket was because... Part that and part... Because, well, it was the 60s, so... Let's not let the commies win. And that's actually, like, a... Let's not let the commies win is kind of, like, a recurring theme in general for early Marvel. Because, like... Especially Iron Man, who, like, 80% of his ro early rogues gallery, like, or it's like 50% industrial saboteurs, 50% communists. Huh. The more you know, Corey, Iron Man, what, fought communists. But, yeah, getting back on topic, and then in later years, like a lot of things, it was retcon that Reed stole it because he was about to lose funding and that's why the cosmic ray shielding, they got irradiated, you know the rat you probably know at least as much as they got all fantastic powers. And the Fantastic Four, like and this may have just been Mark Wade, like writer Mark Wade, like in his run, which I do recommend despite my current problems with the man. But I that he like basically had like Reed tell the story to his infant daughter. Or, like, and then just admit that part of the reason they were, like, like, because that's one of the big hooks of the Fantastic Four in the comic store is due to, due to them being public, they're kind of celebrities. Mm -hmm. They have their own comp, officially licensed comic books, merchandise, that sort of thing. So that's how, part of how they pay and read, like, and this was a later retcon, but it was, like, a nuts, 
a little fridge I like that he's basically like, I made them celebrities so maybe someday I could forgive myself for this. Because he blamed himself, obviously. But yeah. So in the original, they stole it and then Sue, despite his protestation, he just sort of agreed to bring Sue and Johnny along because they were happened to be the most convenient people there. Here, though, they seek them. Ben, like, has him go grab... As far as I know, like, I don't know what Sue did in the... To be honest, and this is embarrassing, despite liking Sue Storm a lot of his character, like, she does throw a lot of charity balls, does a lot of work for charity with her appearance, and does, like... So I think she does, like, she's some sort of show... But I don't know what she did exactly before she became the Fantastic Four. So you're basically having an untrained 20-something... And a teenager who happens to like cars a lot. And just because they happen to know your project and know your personal story, you think this is a good idea to take them into space. Again, in the original, they were fucking stealing a rocket. And they basically were saying, we're not, we're coming whether you like it or not. And Reed was like, basically, said, like, okay. Okay, get on the bus. Let's beat the communists. Can Johnny and Sue come out and go to outer space with us? <laughs> like, yeah. Like, and it's, uh, like, that's creepily accurate, Corey. <laughs> but, yeah, that's how he said, like, and that's a weird thing I'm kind of mixed on is reading this movie. Like, in the comics, he can sometimes be kind of robotic. And, like, it very, but, like, I like this read and better, uh, and runs do have it to where he can sometimes have a sense of humor it's just, like, it can vary between him being a robot who doesn't understand the human, as comics reviewer Linkara once accurately put it when he's poorly written, or it can just be that he just gets caught up in his work, so sometimes he forgets things, or forgets to, like, take care of his family. He truly loves his wife. He and Sue marry later in the comics. Given two of the, this adaptation ends with the wedding, which we'll get to how stupid that is, and the Tim Story one has it for the second one, and they've been married with, like, little strife here and there, but not, like, a real divorce or anything for decades in the comics. Okay. Like, they've been separated once or twice, but never, like, fully divorced. Or, like... So... Getting back on topic. Uh, real quick, need to take a quick break. Uh, we'll be right back. And we're back. Sorry about that, folks. All right. All right. But, yeah. All right. All right. After that little interruption, they go into, like, okay, I may not go as into it, but, okay, there is one weird part where we'll, like, again, I may not tackle every single thing in order, but, but we're going, but the plot was the good place to start, because then, like, Reed goes to get the power source for his laser or whatever. I'll admit to not having paid enough, to having missed just exactly what the hell he was doing. Or, oh, okay, it was the power source for the shield, I remember now. Okay. It's been a week or two, but, and again, I forgot to print out my notes before... I got caught up with something, so I forgot to print out my notes before this. But I did actually take them this time. But, yeah. Like, basically, like, they take this jewel, and Ben has this, like, really awkward meeting with Malisha Masters, who, 
Like in the comics, most of the characters are about the same. Johnny's a hot-headed teenager. Well, okay, he's not a teenager in this. Yeah. And I don't think they were going for that. He's like in his early 20s. But it's still not like too bad. He just make Johnny and Sue the same age instead of her being the older sister, it looks like. They couldn't afford a teenager, and they couldn't afford Steve Buscemi playing a teenager. So they may do. They couldn't afford Steve Buscemi at... Well, actually, he was already in Reservoir Dogs, so... He was? Huh. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh... I just like referencing the how-do-you-do-fellow-kids bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, I will admit, though, as much, while I like this film, if not love it, I will admit that I, this film would be better if it were Steve Buscemi as the, as the, the human torch. How do you do, Fantastic Four? <laughs> but back on points, so there's, like, this awkward meeting where... Whoa. I'm on fire. Oh, yeah. I forget. We'll get to the power seed, but, like, yeah, that's his... Oh, you are talking about Steve Buscemi yeah. segment. But, yeah. I, he does deserve better than Adam Sandler films, at least. Yeah. But, yeah, so, like, Ben has this meeting with his love interest, who's taken, carried over from the comics, Alicia Masters, who's blind. Like, she's a blind sculptress. It's just weird. Like, they have, like, this weird meat cute where they bump, they're awkward around each other, and she later sculpts his face. Like, just, like, Lionel Richie in the Hello video. <laughs> like, granted, she does that in the comics, too. This is after she's, like, got to touch it a bit, and, like, and that's part of their dynamic in the comics, is here she meets him before the accident, there she meets him after it, and that's part of the angst, is that would she like me without it? Which, of course she would, you idiot. I'm just, yeah, I'm venting a little there. But, yeah, like, part of it's him wondering if she'd like him if he was cured in some later stories. And and they're getting married soon. And, like, oh. the, Marvel has promised there's not going to be some weird bait-and-switch thing. Like, they've been on and off at times, but, yeah, they're getting married. And, the, like, the Fantastic Four just came back because Marvel stopped printing them mysteriously for some reason. <laughs> It's almost like the writer were <laughs> at a different studio and the current editor-in-chief was being a petty dickhead. Well, the, uh, well, the editor-in-chief now, oh, or uh, editor-in-chief at the time, I meant. The editor-in-chief now is like, why are we doing this? This is stupid. We're wasting money. Bum, bum, bum. Mind blown. But, yeah. Like, so, yeah, Alicia's a sculptress, yet, like, her dad in the comics is the one puppet master who looks like a creepy, bald, he's a creepy bald man who has radioactive clay that he sculpts that can control people. Is this in the comics? Yes. Oh. That's, like, a real thing. Like, her dad can, her dad is, and, like, that's the thing. She's been adapted twice, and he hasn't. But, like, why didn't you use him? You could have, like, had him take control of the Fantastic Force and guards instead of our secondary villain, who we'll get to in a second, is the reason I brought Alicia up. Like, she's not really used well. In the comics, while she is, at least in the early story, basically Ben's love interest, and at times is pretty much that, she's still a fleshed-out character in her own right, who's fairly likable to me. See, I actually did not know that she was a character in the comment, uh, comics because my first exposure was the Tim Story films and I thought, you know, okay, that, that makes sense for the film, you know. And then it showed up here, I'm like, 
oh, I guess she's in the comics. I I had no idea. Well, that's fair, Corey. Like, she's not, like, the biggest character. She's, like, one of their more steady. And that's something nice that I will give, again, without going into them too much, since I don't remember them well. That's something I did like, is that Stanley's cameos in both movies were... His one in the first movie, actually, is one of the few times he played an actual character from the comics. And one he made, no less, Willie Lumpkin, who... Who's kind of like incidental, I'll admit. He's basically just the old man who does the post office, but it's still perfect for a cameo. Mm -hmm. And then, like, in the second one, rather than play Willie, like, basically when Reed and Sue got married in the comics, they, Stan and Jack, drew themselves, like, Jack Kirby, the artist at the time, big, like, huge name in comics, and just as responsible for the Marvel Universe's stand, like, wrote themselves in being turned away at the door. So he just <laughs> did that again for the Tim's... Yeah, like, that is that is one of my favorite artist cameos, is just the two of them, like, just writing themselves in being turned away from the wedding. <laughs> and then they do... I just also mentioned that just because I miss Stan. Yeah. But I couldn't resist telling you about that one. But, yeah... So, yeah, I may have went on about Alicia a bit. I mean, went on about who they really are in the comics, but all the guys we get to them, like, Ben's about the same. He's kind of boisterous before the accident, he's boisterous after, and he has severe problems with his being turned and blames Reed for it, which which cooled in the comics with time, but having reread some of the early ones recently, yeah, he heavily blames him for it, and it's understandable why, because it is his fault. Mentioning that, I do have something I want to say about when they become, uh, when they get their powers. Yeah. Uh, am I good to say it now? Yeah, go okay. ahead. We can get back to the jeweler in a second. Yeah, I thought it was really weird. Uh, in the in this film, uh, everybody has their powers after the uh, basically their ship explodes, uh, and um, so. Reed is uh, walking around, and then he finds Johnny. Johnny's on fire, and Sue is uh, invisible. And Reed, you know, stretches out his arm and everything. And that's kind of how it happened in the original, like, the first issue where they laid all this out. And, like, that Reed, and in the first issue, what happened is Ben got angry, and that's when he transformed into the thing. Okay. Like, it varies from, like, re-adaptation and whatnot, but that's essentially what happened. I did at least reread the first issue just to get a feel for things, and because I was, again, morning Stan. Uh-huh. Um, but I found it interesting that Ben did not turn into the thing right away. And he didn't in the comics either, but it was still closer to, like, when everyone else did. Whereas here, it's just like... And some adaptations do do that, where it's like it takes a bit for him to turn. So it's not like it's the newest thing that might have been at the time, or the worst idea. But then when he does, there's not, like, really a transformation sequence. He's just like... It's, he's just like, oh, hey, I'm a rock now. <laughs> or he's like, hey, guys, what's up? He's just like doesn't realize he's he's made of rock. Right. It's just, and of course he angst over it, and we'll get and but yeah, like the transformation scene, like has Johnny being just really whiny. Like yeah, as you expect, the comet goes wrong and they transform. And I did miss something from the bank scene 
we can get back to that in a second because that is going to be a lot like just like Corey getting mad understandably mad at the thing my own pet peeve of the film is the plot cult the sack that is well you'll see I'll hear about him in a second but yeah basically Johnny's like he gets more tolerable that is something I'll give against the film is the actors god bless them they tried but they're all fairly flat like, the actor playing Doom will at least give credit, and we'll get more into him later, I'm sure, but, like, for just hamming it up. Yeah. But that's both how the character is in the comics. I mean, for God's sakes, the man refers to himself as Doom! <laughs> like, you got it right. And, like, they play the characters well enough. Like, Reed's a bit more jokey, but I think I got they were trying not to make him a cold, closed-off scientist. So I kind of get it. And Johnny's about, like, the same like he's not quite as hyper as like chris evans in the tim story films where he make him just a bit too obnoxious but like he is pretty whiny like after we're freaks which is some again something they said in the comics but sometimes you don't have to keep everything but it's just like where well, i'm johnny storm like he i just can't describe why he was so annoying in those bits i think it's just his voice and then sue's just the girl like yeah. she was in the early issues but by this point, no. Like, she wasn't equal. Like, and, like, she is just the girl. She's just the love interest for Reed. They have no real chemistry. And yeah, she's she's just there and not at the same time. <laughs> well, she is invisible, but, like, she doesn't really get to do anything with her. Like, she's just there because, well, we can't call it the Fantastic Three. We don't have the rights to them. <laughs> is that an actual thing? No. Okay. Now, recently, they, like in the latest Fantastic Four, she introduced the Fantastics with an X who were trying to fill in while Fantastic Four were gone. And by that, I mean take rip off and they got to get the rights to their building. Long story on both why they were gone in story and how they got the building. Like, Fuck. short story, Spider-Man done fucked up. No, really. Coming in 2020, Fox is uh, about to lose their contract with Fantastic Four, so they're going to make an adapt adaptation of the fan Fantastics with an X. <laughs> and are just coming from the asylum, the Fantastic People. Fantastic People. <laughs> well, you know they do it. Yeah. If you. If I made a film about a sandwich, you'd gu guarantee their film would be half a sandwich. Re the revengeing hoagie, hoagie. <laughs> uh, but getting back on, I forgot where the topic was. Like the reveal scene's okay, and the military find them and then experiment them, and they wisely decide to break out, which is something. Later comics did, actually, so they may have even taken it from this film. Or it could have been another retelling. Again, I, like, while I love the Fantastic Four and I love comic books, I don't know every character or team's history down to the exact. So I don't know if they retold it at some point, but I know, like, a miniseries later in the 90s by, like, just great writer and weirdo Grant Morrison... Sin, like, had that as part of the element where the military finds them. Which makes sense, given they stole a military rocket. But, yeah, so the military finds them, they escape. 
Like, that's kind of why I'm just kind of drifting in and out. Like, Sue, as I said, she's just a non-entity, and it's annoying. Yeah. Like, she basically does almost nothing that I can remember. Johnny's mild. They're just all kind of bland. Like, Ben's the only one with a real arc. Because he, like, had deals with his anger. He leaves them at one point and ends up in... Okay, like, I could keep dancing around it, but it's okay if... Before we talk about Doom or anyone else, because... Okay, that's actually a nice twist. It turns out the military people who got them are Doom's people. And no. they end up in Latveria. I forgot about that. That is it, right? I think so, yeah. I, I like, that was that actually seems. a nice twist. Like, okay, we can talk about that. Like, Doom's costume's cheap. All theirs are, and the effects are just corny. Well, we can get onto uh, some of the effects later. Yeah, but, oh yeah, there's one in the climax that Corey absolutely loves that we'll get to. We'll get to that. But, like, their effects are cheap. They have kind of like a charm for them, like a yeah, kid I mean, it was, making them in their backyard. It which was that, we don't know if that's what Roger Corman had someone do or does for his film. If he has a small child make his props. Did I do good, Daddy? You get a bonus on your allowance, son. Good job. A whole penny. <laughs> well, I don't think he's that much of a monster, Corey. Well, I mean, he makes his films for cheap. And True, but, but, I, but I assume he'd pay his own son more than the entire budget it takes to make one of his films. <laughs> hey, it's the studio's money, not his, when he's making a film. That's That's fair. But... Yeah, but, like, okay, I can't put this off forever. Like, Doom is fine, and he's, like, the plot's okay. It's not terrible, but it's just kind of by the numbers. But the what the fuck part is the side villain. Like, okay, so early on, like, uh, let's get back to the bank. I shouldn't have drifted from that, but we got talking about other things in the film and other stuff, so it's fine. But, okay, so... Out of the sewer grate, like a lost Ninja Turtle, emerges a guy in a bowler hat and jeweler's tube, which I actually know, loop, I think that's what, I know that for that term for some reason, called the jeweler. Now, here's the thing I learned. He was supposed to be the FF villain, the Mole Man, who's basically a guy who wears, like, some funky shades and was basically... And this is true, he was deemed too ugly for society. Like, he was rejected by women, he was rejected from a job, literally because the guy said, I can't hire you, you would frighten people, even though you're qualified. Because this was the 60s, so apparently they could still get away with that. Yeah. So he was shunned by society, decided to go to the north to just fuck off from humanity, ended up falling ass backward into a pile of... Of mole people and monsters he tamed and mole people who made him, who he enslaved and became their king. That's a thing that happened. This was the first person they fought. So readapting him slightly, I kind of get the logic, but really nothing he does in this film. So yeah, there's a cackling white-haired guy with a jeweler's tube just emerging out of the sewer. <laughs> Oh, yeah, he does do an evil laugh, Corey. <laughs> like, he does just doing a maniacal laugh and deciding, she will be mine. Oh, yes, she will be mine. And later having his hope, and then his hobos are saying, and then later after he had, like, has his hobo army, all right, 
before that, before we get to his hobo army, which, yes, is a real thing that happens in this science fiction adventure superhero movie. You know what I think what happened? What? I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I think the Roger Corman watched Batman Returns and saw Danny DeVito as the Penguin and was like, I want that in my movie. Well, hold on. Let me make sure Batman Returns came out after. It was 1992. And this was 94. Yeah, you're right. Okay, I think he was. Like, I think, like, okay, I want Mole Man. Well, we can't use the name for whatever reason they couldn't. Okay, bring me his non-union union hobo <laughs> equivalent. <laughs> like, yeah, you're right. Because, you know, like, like, they replace him, like, being an outcast and having a bunch of mole people with him having a bunch of hobos. Who I mean, at one point like surround Alicia going queen 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 because he wants to make her his hobo queen. <laughs> when your plot resembles the first episode Lord of Gravity Falls, which was played for laughs, only instead of gnomes they're homeless people. Like it's the same plot. He basically kidnaps all woman, if not a small child this time, a woman against her will to be his queen. <laughs> like, like, Alicia, I'll never forget you, because I'm going to kidnap you. It's like, I never even thought about that. It's the same plot. Like, it's a common plot in science fiction. So it's just stupid. <coughs> like, there's just, in the middle of this, like, and okay, his one plot relevance is he steals the jewel, and Victor's watch, like, people are watching him. So I'm like, why wasn't it just them and you cut out your Batman Returns fan fiction? Because you're right, Corey, he might have just saw that thought, I can steal this. You know what? Maybe Roger Corman is the asylum of, the, of his day. He, no, he is 100% the asylum of his day. Like, down to even attempting to make an animated film at one point. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, Phaelus reviewed it. Aladdin and the Venture of All Time and Take Off of the Page Master. It looks about as good as you'd expect. Oh, wait, is that the, uh, the Cobbler and the Thief, uh, the thief and the Cobbler? No, that's an entirely different film that was butchered when it was released, but... Like, they had a, it's, that's a longer story, and I recommend, like, I think it's on YouTube, someone recut it to actually be what it's supposed to be. Okay. So I'd recommend that, watching that. It is a good movie in its actual intended state. But, no, it was some, it was just like, but yeah, Roger Corman thought he could make an animated film. He couldn't. I do admire that he can make, he can produce films under such a budget. I get him back, back his own backlash against MST3K for insulting him. But even then, the man makes cheap ass films and didn't say, "You can't have your tiny sewer mute. You can't have your hobo sewer society subplot." Like, just tell the director no on that. No one wants to watch this. Well, okay, I do, but that's because I find it hilarious. No one wants to. <laughs> Watch this unironically unless they're stupid or Michael Bay. So they're stupid. But, well, no, not Michael Bay. It doesn't have enough boobs or explosions. 
Yeah, that, that's that's true. Adam Sandler. Actually, yeah, it is accurate. Because <laughs> like, I hope he never sees this film. Because then some random film of his will suddenly have Rob Schneider emerging. And, and Rob yeah. Schneider is the Jew. Sue Storm. Oh God! Don't give me that image, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, as you can tell, it's funny. Like the rest of the film, there's not much. But yeah, the jewelry's just sort of there. And like at one point, like he has Alicia, and the thing later goes down there because he's like feeling abandoned. They bring him in, and it actually gives him some humanity. But it's like he finds Alicia, and before he can rescue her, Doom shows up and like massacres the shit out of some hobos. Like it's just like a like an unnecessary like it's not it's not over the top. There's no like gunshot wound, but it's still like a gratuitous hobo massacre for no reason. Yeah, and then like he takes Alicia and I, and like why was the jeweler in this? He doesn't even get caught at the end. For all I know, he could just like sneak try to sneak into the Baxter Building if Alicia's with them there, and uh, like. The thing's like, don't you do it. I'm going to do it. Don't you do it. And he just breaks him in half. And that's the se- that would be the ending of the, the sequel. Fantastic Four. The jeweler goes to, goes to hell the final Friday. <laughs> I don't know. I've been working a full shift. But, yeah, this isn't a bad film. And, like, the rest of the film goes how you'd expect. They go to rescue her. The four reunite. And then we get Corey's favorite part, <laughs> where he just have the worst CGI torch possible, which I agree with you that it's gloriously bad. The the thing is, I don't think that you know him being CGI'd uh, on fire is that bad. But no, it the looks part, fine in the Tim Story films, and that's an older effect at this point. Right, but no, like in this film. Like, I don't think it's that bad, but when he is chasing the laser beam and gets hit, that was fucking hilarious. It's just, like, it's not even, like, it's hard to, like, it's not even a a video game would render this poorly. Like, maybe a Jaguar, I don't know, but, like, it's so poorly rendered, I can't help but absolutely love it. And the only thing that would be making it better would be the Johnny Storm rap played over it. Oh, God. <laughs> yo, 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 I'm chasing a laser something, something, something. Oh, no, it's better than that. And I think since, like, I don't think we'll get copyright struck for no, it. No, let's, let's not, just because. But, like, it's that you're the toots, it's the cool. It's not always cool to be cool. <laughs> and you, just, you treat me like a fool. You want to say, hey, but you won't. You won't. And, and he's just fine with you. I just flame on. Flame on. And on and on and on. Flame on. <laughs> I just, like, that's the actual lyric. And he does flame on during that. <laughs> I'm not fucking kidding. Like, for a girl of the week, he just has a random rap number. And, like, let's talk about this because. Like, I wish I could have shown it to you here live on the show. And I don't think we'd get in trouble, but just in case. Johnny but, Johnny Storm goes on a date. Or, like, and, yeah. Uh, 
Chris Hansen's. No, he goes on a date in the film in the thing though, where it like shows him like being a football star and stuff. <laughs> Just I. I was trying to make a uh, to catch a predator. I got you. Okay, but yeah, so badly CGI Johnny fights the missile, and then the film like and Reed just like earlier and one of the most awkward things like Sue just tells him I love you, and like then they like I love you too, which is the most stilted sense. I love, like, I haven't seen the film, I've just seen this clip, like, from Lost in Space. I love you, wife. <laughs> it's that stilted. I don't remember that. I've seen that movie, too. I don't rem- Wow. That is an actual line, though. I, I believe you. No, that... But, yeah, that's just the thing. We like, need to cover that movie. Shit. We, we really do. We're doing sci-fi month at some point this year. I may, I might choose that, because... I haven't seen that in forever. Honestly, it looks terrible, but it looks enjoyably terrible. Like, I remember Matt LeBlanc's in it. And I love Matt LeBlanc. He has legit acting talent, but he's just like... It just looks stupid in the best way. Let's just agree to cover it for Sci-Fi Month when we do that. We can probably still do that in March since we're not doing what we plan to do then. Okay. Like, we can do... uh, but yeah, inside baseball, everyone. <laughs> so anyway, uh, now we're done making plans on air because fuck it. I don't think there's much left to say. There's a wedding, and he catches the bouquet with his terrible like his arms are just like a tube. That, but really, there's not a ton to say about the film. But it was like enjoyably goofy. Yeah, like the jeweler is the only part I really hate, and it's just because he's such a plot cul-de-sac. Like he could. Like Alicia, you, you could have taken as, his entire section of the film out, and you wouldn't have lost anything. No, like he's just sort of there, and like he's basically there so Doctor Doom can put a cap in some hobos. And again, the guy plays Doom well. Oh, and Doom dies somehow. Like there's some, like again, I forgot my notes, but it is a good, <coughs> like it's decent enough. Is it great? No. And it's only best by faint praise because the Tim Story films have flaws, but probably art's slightly better. We'll see. Well, and this has like some things better and some things the same, like not having good characterization for Sue. But they at least, I give them points for effort. And that's something I won't give on every film. Like, one we're going to be talking about next on Crypt Creepers is kind of the opposite, and I'll get into that there. But, like, here, it's more just, I give them points because they were basically making uh, not lose the franchise thing. They weren't making, they, like, were basically just trying to squeeze this one out so they could get make it. And these people put in a decent effort, and I applaud that, even if it's not very good. It is so bad it's good, especially because of the jeweler. As much as I hate him... It's just hilarious how they cram in their own original character instead of, you know, just cutting him out of the script. Like, this shit's got to be feature length. Let's put a guy in a top hat and a jeweler's tube. We have those lying around in Roger's prop box. Tom, our sound guy, get in there. My Tom's time has come! Great, you're getting into character. Just put on this hat, put on this uh, monocle thing, and uh, there you go. 
What's my motivation? You live in the sewer and you want to kidnap a woman. Uh, what, what are my lines? Just make up shit. We don't give a shit. Just, we need to make this movie. Joy! <laughs> but, yeah, that's what it feels like. But otherwise, and I, before we, like, wrap this up, because really, Corey, is there anything else you want to <coughs> add? Because, like, this film's kind of a blur for me, but I still kind of liked it and still appreciate it, even... Yeah, it's, uh, it's okay, I guess. Like, I, I wasn't a huge fan of it, but at the same time, like, I, I can appreciate it yeah, on some level. Yeah, the guy level. who did, like, apparently he is an actor, but, like, he did some film called Up Pompeii. Up Pompeii. Uh, a funny thing happens to Lucero, Frankie Howard, on the way to a rent of a vestigial virgin market stall. Uh, a mysterious scroll falls into his hand, listing the name of all the conspirators prodding to murder Emperor Nero. When the upstart slave is elected to infiltrate the ringleader's den, the comical up and down will lead to a total uproar. Okay, then. That sounds like my hell. <laughs> and then there he also is in Pussycat, Pussycat, I Love You. Pussycat, pussycat, I love you. I would rather make it. We should make a film that's just your cat for 90 minutes. That's called that. <laughs> we'll follow Stewie when he's uh, it's going outside. And that's my cat. Actually, that'd be more. An American psychologist living in Rome consults a quack psychiatrist to combat his fears of balding and saving his balding, his failing marriage. It sounds like a Woody Allen knockoff. I already don't like Woody Allen films, and not just because he's a sex monster. But, yeah, wrapping this up so we can get to our second. But also, just because, like, is there anything else you want to add, Corey, before we... I, I think we've, uh, we've yeah, covered like, this one pretty well. It's a thin film, and I've covered, like, some of the comments. Like, Johnny's, like, a reverent, like, rebellious. Ben has image issues, and Sue covers the co early comics pretty well, even if he didn't read it, clearly read enough to, like, see some of the changes, especially in the 80, late 80s, mid to late 80s John Byrne run. Mm -hmm. But it's still a fun flick that means well. And has enough goofiness to just really be a fun ride. I really did like it. And would watch it again at some point. But, alright. So you got nothing else to say, Corey? Yeah, I think uh, we pretty much clobbered right. this I would one. like to say something about Stan. Oh, oh yeah, go right ahead. Stan Lee meant a lot to me. He was in a lot of my childhood. Whether it was in the cameos of the comic book films I saw in theaters as they came out. Or in his various narrations of various cartoons. He was a legend. He created a lot of things and co-created a lot of things with Jack's help. And the two, and he seemed like the nicest guy. Like, he, he probably did some asshole things. He was an editor. It happens. But he seems like he, for the most part, he was a nice guy. People have nothing but good things to say about and the world's darker without him, but honestly, as sad as I am, I think he's better off mm -hmm. not being in pain anymore and being with his wife again. Yeah. We'll miss you, Stan. We'll miss your cameos, but we'll miss the warmth and love and enthusiasm you brought to everything. 
Excelsior. Excelsior. And thank you for giving us. Like, I truly will also say I love the Fantastic Four. They're not traditional superheroes. They're adventurers, imaginots. Insert fancy term here. They explore the unknown. And while they couldn't do it on this budget, the film at least got, like, the sense of wonder and stuff down. They can't take that away from it. Yeah. So... It felt like a good celebration of a team I love, even if I didn't get into how much I love them here. But yeah, well, that's what I love, is they're just more explorers than a family. There's something different, and that's what Stan designed them as. So thank you, Stan. Thank you for one of my favorite teams. And thank you for this goofy-ass movie existing as a result of that team. <laughs> I genuinely mean that. Alright, so next week, and I, we've both seen the movie already, we'll just be doing the podcast whenever, we're, we're doing the Steve Martin comedy, well, the Steve Martin starring Nora Ephron comedy, Mixed Nuts. Yep. To start our Christmas off, because the next two after that, like, one of Corey's got cut off, but it was just Santa Buddies, so it's not really, like... It was low-hanging fruit. You know, Santa Buddies, what are we going to say? It's it's talking dogs for children. Like Right, but the other two, which I'll keep under my hat, but trust me, like we picked some epic turds, and Corey especially. Yeah. But I didn't, like, but yeah, for Mixed Nuts, I just wanted to see if it was bad as, like, it just had a lot of negative reviews on Letterboxd. You'll find, if you want to find out, tune in next time. Until then, have a good night, good day, good morning, whatever. Excelsior. In Excelsior.